Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew, Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up? And you guys, we may or may not get a guest later in the show. We will find out, but right now, you're getting a rare treat of Schwinn and I going solo for a uh, for an episode. Schwinn, how do you feel about this? So pretty good. Feel pretty good. Uh, yeah. Excited for this new frontier. Yeah, I know. We're so used to having other people carry the show for us, so like now we have to like carry the show. This is uh this is rare territory. So um today we are going to discuss the first preseason game of the Knicks against the Wizards on Monday night. Was it Monday night or Tuesday night did they play? Monday, Monday. Monday night. We are recording this on a Thursday night, so unfortunately you're gonna have to wait a little while before we review the other games. But no, but there's been tons, tons of NBA news, not just NBA news, um, you know, American political news, world, inter- like international news, and if you are not familiar with it, we'll get you, we'll get you all caught up on the uh, the Daryl Morey and China NBA saga that's been going on. But that's going to be later in the show. So let's talk about the uh, the preseason game. And if you guys did not watch it, the New York Knicks won. 104 to 99 against the Washington Wizards, who are honestly a terrible team. I mean, oof. I mean, team is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's going to be a long season for them. Yeah, I, they barely have. They have like what, maybe three and four NBA players. They have like Ish Smith, Bradley Beal, Thomas Bryant, and Rui looked pretty solid. Like that's it. That's their. Yeah. And then and they had that that white guy that like came in and hit ridiculous threes for a while. Um, yeah, was, okay, Matthews. Yeah, whoever that is. Yeah, he looked all right. Yeah, he did look pretty good. That uh, that was it. That Wagner kid. He looked terrible. He's so bad. He's he's no match. He's still finding his way. Yeah, he was. I'm looking at his stat line right now. He was a five for fourteen and one for seven from three. <laughs> Moritz Wagner. Oof, that's uh, yeah, that's he, brutal. But um, all right. That's enough about the Wizards. Let's, it's uh, not pretty. It's no, not pretty. Definitely not pretty. Let's talk about the uh, the next win. Who were your people who stood out more um, in this game in a on a Knicks uniform? Who stood out? Yeah, who stood out? Like who you were like, oh wow, this he looks. You know, this, I'm excited to watch him moving forward this season. Uh, well, definitely RJ. Um, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, even even when he, I, first of all, I, I hate that starting. I I don't hate the starting lineup, but like there are just some obvious issues that are going to exist with it. So like, I don't even know if I should get upset about the issues existing because I knew that they were going to suck at spacing the floor. I knew the ball wouldn't move that well. Uh, I knew the defense would not be as good with that starting lineup for a variety of reasons, but. Uh, I don't really want to get into that. What I do want to get into, though, uh, RJ looked good. He, the probably the biggest surprise, or not the uh, most pleasant surprise, was that like his he was really engaged on defense. Um, and look, I mean, obviously he's not perfect. He's not like some elite defender, but just at his size, him being engaged, um, that does a lot. And he held his own against Bradley Beal, who, like, granted, again, you know, Beal might be just. He probably is half-assing it, one, because it's preseason, two, because he's looking around his team like, fuck this. Um, but, yeah, he held his own against Beal. Uh, I thought that was really impressive to see. Um, 
the the other thing I really liked in the first half was even though he wasn't touching the ball a lot, he was still like he he it didn't affect his defensive effort. And then on top of that, he also you know it wasn't like uh, he was still engaged offensively, even though he wasn't mm-hmm. you know getting to handle the rock a ton. Like he was making himself open for threes. And granted, he I think he went over four from three in the first half, but you know he was still doing it. Uh, he had a couple of really nice cuts off the ball that he scored on in the first half. So, yeah, like, he, he, he found a way to make himself, you know, impactful still. Like, and obviously his rebounding is always, like, that's a huge plus for him. Uh, that's something he's, like, that's a genuine elite skill he has for a wing. Um, so that was great to see that he, you know, and not that I really doubted it, but obviously just good to see that he was doing it. Um, and then, yeah, the second half, you know, when you could kind of see, like, as soon as Elford went out and Frank came in and it's a more egalitarian offense that's being run, um, which isn't to say Payton is selfish. He's not actually selfish at all. But he's very much, like, a creator. So, you know, it's it's a less... uh, He's not going to share... He's going to initiate everything, right? And with Frank, it was like... You could see they were taking turns doing that. And um, that obviously suits RJ a ton because, you know, arguably his, I just mentioned his rebounding, but arguably his next most elite skill is is passing. And just giving him the ball and letting him kind of go to work was nice. So even if, you know, like uh, there are definitely some finishes he had where I think like, you know, regular season, I'm not sure he's going to be able to get it off or there'll be an adjustment that needs to be made. Um, you know, it was just good to see kind of like that whole package. And uh, he also stepped up like when, I mean, it sounds so stupid to say, when the game was in balance uh, in the third quarter. But like, I mean, he kind of did, right? Like that was, they had made a little run and he kind of just took over for a quarter. So, yeah, I mean, there was just a lot to like about it. it, was, it it's, it's good to be, it's good to have young players because, um, Generally, you can always talk yourself into the long-term positives involved, and uh, yeah. Oh, I'm you summed up everything. I won't, well, maybe not summed up. You were definitely going on, but definitely you hit on everything about how good RJ was um, on Monday. Just it was just it was so nice to see. Even like you know, he came in clutch. Like you know, he stepped in for like that charge. Like little, like he was doing all yeah. the little things he needed to do, and he just like he needed to get in transition, to, you know, draw a foul. He was there. They they called him back on that. I forgot. They did like the review, which I had no idea that was even going to happen. That they were doing like a replay review on stuff, but you know they had they had one call back, but like that didn't matter to him. He managed to get another one, and like a few possessions later, and it was just wonderful to uh, to see. It was just like I was pretty skeptical of. Uh, of RJ, you know, coming into the draft and everything like that. And it's just kind of nice to be like, oh, okay, if he's going to play defense, he's <laughs> to me, he's going to be fine next. I feel like the shot will eventually get there, you know, in a couple years. Like, I'm not expecting him to ever be a lights-out shooter. But if he's going to shoot, like, 35% from, like, three. Yeah, that's can, fine. Like, that's fine. And if he can figure out, you know, when he can continue to, like, you know, work on his handle and, like, navigate through the, uh, through the paint and things like that, I think he's going to be he's going to be fine as a, as a pro. Like, he's definitely someone I'm actually, for the first time, for, like, a draft pick, I'm like Frank or Knox or someone where I'm like, not worried, he's he's going to be good. He may not be yeah. a superstar, but he's going to be a good player for his career. Yeah, I'll be very surprised. I, that was actually always, like, my take on RJ, though, is that, like, I, I didn't see bust potential. I saw, like, yeah, maybe he doesn't end up being a star, 
I mean, that's that's the case with basically any pick other than Zion in last year's draft. Um, and in most drafts, like what there's maybe you're lucky if there's one guy that you're like, yeah, Zier, like he's definitely going to be a star. Um, so that's just always a risk. But he just does like the fact that he can pass and rebound at a plus rate. Like you know that already gives you the foundation of a pretty solid player. And it's like he doesn't really need to do much more than maybe, you know, score slightly more efficiently. But he needs scored efficiently. That's the thing. Like, he scored efficiently in that game. And you can tell, like, if he scores efficiently, he's so – like, between scoring efficiently and just giving a shit on defense, if he can do those two things, he's so obviously, like, a, a, a two-way plus player and, you know, not just that, like – that, that that's what really gives him that star upside. But I don't want to get too much into RJ. I think we've blabbered on about him enough. Uh, I thought Frank also had a really nice game. I don't want to. Talk I agree. About, I don't want to talk about him too much because I'm sure that people think that like we're the biggest Frank homers ever, and we are. But like, yeah, I mean, we are. But still, yeah, yeah we don't I mean, have to go into it. He was good. He, if he I just, just makes a couple shots, he yeah. he was great. And he, the thing is, he kept shooting. That was the biggest thing I took away from that. Is he stayed aggressive the entire game, even when he was missing shots. Um, obviously, yes, yes, he needs to make shots for that to matter, but, like, the first step is actually just continuing to fucking shoot the ball, which he has not done throughout his career. Um, so, really good to see that. Fisdale even commented on that after the game, um, which I think was genuine. Like, I I don't know. I, I'm not really... I, I think it's really weird that, like, everybody just thinks he's the snake oil salesman now, but it's like, dude, that's like what a coach for a rebuilding team kind of has to be at times. Um, and I totally get it. I've been there. I've been, I have been pissed about him, you know, talking about defense and then not valuing it with his. Well, that's where the snake oil salesman comes from. It's his idea of like, you know, defense first and he literally wouldn't play defensive lineups. Like that's where it comes from. I mean, I, I get that, but I also think like people are way too harsh on what he was working with last year where it's like, Look, yes, I agree it was annoying he went away from that one really good lineup we had, but I think if you zoom out and honestly take a look at like everything that transpired last year, you can also fairly say that I think Frank was probably hurt a lot sooner than we knew publicly, um, and that clearly affected his play, and I think Fizdale maybe was just trying to protect him to a certain degree. Um, we don't know. I don't know. I'm speculating also. I just think that people need to chill the fuck out with like the constant Fizdale... I mean, look, there there are decisions he made even in that preseason game that I was like, this is so stupid. But, you know, just chill the fuck out. Like, relax. Let's see what happens. Give him some time. This is a brand-new team. We'll see what he is maybe 15 games in the season. Then we can start having some real discussions about what's going on with Fizz. But, um, yeah, uh, Frank was good. Um, I really liked that pairing with him and RJ. I really like... I actually, one of the reasons, and I'll get into this further, but one of the reasons I didn't mind Alfred coming off or starting is I actually really like that bench combination of, like, Frank, yeah, Frank it's, it's Knox. Bench lineup. Yeah, I, I just like that trio of, like, Frank, Knox, and Todd coming off the bench together. Um, I mean, those three, I, I'm not looking at the box score, but I would imagine those three were probably among our biggest pluses on the evening, in the plus-minus column. Um, they were. Well, maybe yeah. not, uh, not Knox, but uh, Frank and Todd were both plus. Well, oh, yeah, Knox isn't because if you want to talk about me not liking a Fizdale decision, it's because when Morris got ejected, he brought Knox in, and that unit predictably got lit the fuck up on defense. Yeah. Um, 
So, like, yeah, that, that's that's basically why. But anytime he shared the floor with Frank and Taj, like, I just loved that trio. I thought they had really good synergy. I loved that Fizz pulled. He pulled Alfred, like, out pretty early in the second half. Basically, like, when they blew the lead, so it was, I think they went into half with, like, a 15, 13 or 15-point lead, something like that. Yeah, then they blew, like, 18 at one point, too. Yeah, and they, they blew it. They blew it completely. It was, like, 60, 60. Then he comes in with Frank, and then, like, immediately they kind of find a rhythm offensively, start getting stops, start getting out on the open floor. I think they were up 12 or 13 by the end of the quarter again. Um, but, yeah, like, that that unit, and then when you added RJ to it, was, like, so much fun. Um, and then I think they brought in Ellington, too, who I – he might have been the other guy that was a big plus. Um, he was a plus nine, yeah. He, Ellington – I'm happy that they have Ellington. Like, I would – like, we mentioned this last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, we mentioned this last episode with, uh, like, getting rid of, like, Trier and Dotson in some sort of trade or something like that. That's something I would definitely consider. Just having just Wayne Allen just be, like, someone who knows how to play basketball. Like, I know it sounds like a weird thing, and you know, to say, but, like, he just knows where to go. He constantly moves off the ball. He's clearly the best shooter well, on like, the team, and he competes. It's just, like, I'd rather him in than pretty much anyone other than, you know, I don't yeah. want, like, Trier or any of those guys in. Right, and, and it's not just that he... Like, he generates some of that usage on his own, you know? Like right, he exactly. Is, he's such a good movement shooter that he can run full full sprint off the screen and get off a shot. And, like, you know, Dotson is a good shooter. He's a good enough shooter, but he can't generate usage like that. Like, he's not that type no, he's of not, No, he's not coming off screens like uh, Ellington is. Like, he's not moving that way. Like, he'll do it on, like, a pick and roll or a spot up. But other than that, like, he's not doing anything for you offensively. Right, right. And it's like, I know, like, uh, our friend Spencer Perlman has posted pick-and-roll shooting numbers, but it's like, do you really want to up Dotson's usage so that he's running a bunch of pick-and-roll? Like, no. You know, it's just, that's just not a role he's ever going to play. So, um, anyway, yeah, I just like that whole bench feel with RJ and Ellington. It was, that was, like, a really fun unit, and, uh, you know, we'll see. Obviously, it's early, just one preseason game, but definitely felt like uh, the big winners in terms of guys maybe you were uncertain of in terms of how many minutes they, they're going to get, how much they're going to earn. Um, you know, Frank, Todd, and, and Ellington, I, all three of them kind of capitalizing on injuries, too, uh, with Dennis Smith out, Bobby Portis out, and uh, Dotson, Dotson out. Um, yeah, I, I was really happy. I don't, I don't know if you really want to get into, like, guys that you didn't really like a lot, but... Yeah, I, I'd rather not. I'll just... I think I'll just briefly mention that I thought Mitch was actually rather disappointing in the um in the game. Like, he was fine, but uh, not really what I was... what I'm really looking for for him. So, I th- that's really probably all I want to say, because it's only one preseason game, so I don't want to go <laughs> too far into criticizing Mitch too much. Yeah, I, I just... I don't think Mitch was really into it. That's all I would say. Yeah, it's just, like, the only thing I would say is, like, I, hopefully he becomes into it during the season. That's really all I'll say, because otherwise it's it's going to be a very long season <laughs> with uh with him. But you mentioned before we hopped on, I think it's actually an important point to make about um Alfred Payton potentially becoming the starter. And I know a lot of people are concerned that, you know, it's another Moody A situation and a Jared Jack situation for Frank, but I think we're actually going to be similar um, – 
on this, and you can definitely expand more, but this isn't really a Frank issue, because Frank's going to be, like, this combo guard. He's sometimes he'll run the offense, sometimes he won't. We, you know, so I don't see him as, like, a traditional point guard. I think we kind of saw that with, like, France and what the Knicks will eventually do, but you mentioned, and please expand, that uh, this could potentially be an issue more for Dennis Smith Jr. than anything else. Well, yeah, I just think, like, look, I, we don't know. Like, um, it's hard. Again, we played one preseason game. Okay, and like I said, there are people that have made a lot of assumptions on what Fizz wants and doesn't want based on how he coached last season. Um, I am trying to keep a more open mind because I think last season was just like, you know, it's that was it was such a fucking weird season, and there was a lot of shit going on that he just had to put up with. Um, I think he knew that like that team was not going to be his team, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. So. Oh! 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 Is that is that Alex Wolf of Locked On Knicks and Posting and Toasting? No, um, some is other it, vagabond. Is, is, is it Gavin? Yeah, this is Gavin. This is Gavin Shaw. <laughs> um, how are you, Chris Porzingis? Is my god. <laughs> oh god, who you're talking about? Yeah, on a. Oh boy, what a what a what an entrance coming in here and saying the uh, he who shall not be named on this. Uh, on this podcast. <laughs> no, hey, I, I talk- like Gavin. Gavin's my guy, man. He's my no, let's talk about Porzingis. You know, number six. Yeah, oh, oh, the other Hugh must not be named. I thought you were talking about, I was like, man, that's really mean to Gavin. No, you're talking about, okay, the actual Hugh must be named. Yeah, yeah. Unisnake. Yeah. Disgusting creature. Shout out to Remy Schwartz. He of shooting 38% for 18 <laughs> points and breaking the internet. Yes. Oh. Um, no, we, so we were just talking about, uh, I was I was saying that I think that, like, Alfred potentially being the starter is one. I don't think it's that big of a deal in terms of, I don't think it's that big of a deal for Frank. Uh, I think it might be a bigger deal for Dennis Smith. But like, I just think, you know, if you look at like those three guys, what type of point guards they are, like Frank is just different. Like he's obviously a very different type of player. And sure, we don't know if Fisdale really cares about defense. And Look, all I can say is that anytime he talks about Frank, even if you go back to last year, like, he is very much on point saying the same thing. And, like, yeah, maybe it's grading to people that he doesn't, like, just say he's a point guard, but he always says, like, he thinks Frank is a glue guy. He thinks Frank, like, always makes the right play. He Like, he always praises Frank in exactly the same ways consistently. And really, if you look at what he says, I would say that it's a lot of, it echoes a lot of what, like, Knicks fans that want to keep him say. Right, like he's a winning player. He he can play both guard positions. Right, he, like these are things that like even his biggest fans say. Um, so like I just don't see it as that big of an issue. And look, if Frank plays how he played in that preseason game, especially if he starts hitting like even forty percent from the field and thirty three percent from three or something, like he's going to play. Like he's going to make a role for himself, and that role is probably going to be backup point guard. You know, like that's just it's going to happen. I. Maybe I'm a, I have too much faith in Fizdale not being an idiot, but I don't. I really don't think he's like a complete idiot, and I do, to an extent, take his word that like he values what Frank brings brings to the table. Um, it might be that he like, you know, kind of uses Frank to be like save some units defensively and like play him next to Alfred and RJ and stuff like that. Sure, but like I think he's gonna find a role for him if he plays like that, and. He clearly loves Alfred, right? Like, he clearly likes Alfred a lot, and, you know, a lot of their 
the murmurs coming out of camp is that a lot of guys like playing with Alfred too, the guys on the team, players. Um, I'm not saying that that means they hate playing with Dennis Smith Jr. I have no idea. I just think it's interesting that like we're already getting reports of guys gushing over Alfred. And um, if you just look at the player types they are, you know, I don't think Dennis Smith I, – I, I, if Dennis Smith played with Alfred Payton, that would just be disgusting to watch. I would, oh, God. I, I, I wouldn't I, to watch that, right? Like, But I can like – I can – I don't think Frank and Alfred would be great, but I can imagine it. I can basically imagine Frank playing with, like, any guard on the team or really anybody, but, like, specifically talking about backcourt players. There's not one person you could put him with that I'd be like, that makes no sense, that would be horrible, it lacks balance, or blah, 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 blah. Like, even him and Kadeem last year had some, like, decent minutes together and shit like that, you know? Like, it's just very obvious that he can play with a lot of guys. And, you know, I don't know what's going on with Dennis Jr.'s back, like, they're saying it's not that big of a deal, but this is the second preseason game he's missing. And, you know, I I don't know. I just I think it's a bigger deal for him to be missing this time, especially if Alfred's out here, you know, winning everybody's, <laughs> getting into everybody's good graces, uh, more so than Frank, who, look, not just Fizdale. If you forget fucking Fizdale, if you don't believe him. Uh, Kevin Knox mentioned that he had come into camp and was playing really well. Uh, Alfred has gone out of his way to praise Frank. Uh, I think even Todd said something today or maybe a couple of days ago about like how good Frank was on defense. And I don't know, man. I just think that like all the murmurs coming out of camp is that it seems like Frank's having really good camp and he's like proving himself. And like with Elf, with with Dennis, like we heard a lot of stuff before camp, and that's not to say he's not having a good camp. I have no idea. I, we're just not hearing those like you know, those little tidbits that make you feel fuzzy and warm inside. Yeah, to go, to go back to what you said a minute ago, Schwein, I've talked about this on Locked on Knicks a bunch too. I think that, like, the the perception that Fizz hates Frank or whatever is way overblown, I think. I think that, like, if you look back at the situation last year as far as how Frank played and – and, like, the opportunities that Fizz gave him. I think he was a little tough on him at times. Like, everybody goes back to the DMPs, you know, back in December to be like, oh, Fizz hates Frank. But, like, he gave him a starting spot out of camp at small forward, which was a little unconventional, but whatever, he gave him a starting spot. And then he eventually gave him a starting spot at point guard, and he gave him a quick leash, which sucked, but, you know, he did give him that. And then every time that, you know, Frank started to find himself the rest of the season, he would get hurt again. And that was the biggest thing is, like, he would come back, he would be used in a limited role because he's trying to knock the rust off, and then he'd finally get to the point where he can play again, and he'd get hurt. And that was yeah. just kind of like the vicious cycle last year. But people interpreted that as, like, well, oh, you know, he wasn't playing him a bunch right before he got hurt. And it's like, yeah, because he was working him back from another injury, and then, you know, Frank would get hurt again as yeah. soon as he finally figured it out. Yeah, I've actually even – I don't know if I've talked about it on air, but I think I mentioned it in uh, the comments on PNT. But like, there was even a game last year. This is when he came back. Um, actually, it was it was before he went out for like that extended period. So, you know, kind of when he was working his way back into the rotation or whatever. Um, there was a game against OKC at home where, like, we just came out and like immediately were down. 20 points within, you know, three or four minutes or something like that. And he just benched Moutier for the rest of the first half. Frank played the rest, like, Frank was, clearly had, like, a plus impact. We ba- we played the neutral the rest of the half. I think we even might have 
you know, won the rest of the half or whatever. Um, you know, then second half starts again, get fucking smoked the first three or four minutes, and he just benches Moody again and played Frank. So, like, I, I, I sometimes wonder if he was using Moody as, like, kind of the, the carrot that Frank needed to go get. Um, because, like, you know, sometimes the certain guys respond to, you know, immediately you insert them as starters and they respond to that. Other guys maybe sometimes need, like, something to chase or something to kind of work for. And I'm not, like, I'm not saying, I don't think any of us think, like, Frank is not a worker. It's pretty obvious he works hard. Um, but it kind of gives him an idea of, like, look, this is what I want from you. I want you to be aggressive. And he, he talked about that so much last year, right? Like, he's like, like, we know what Fizz wants from his point guard. I don't think that necessarily means he doesn't value the other shit that Frank does. But he's like, look, man, like, I love everything that you do, but I need you to do this other thing, right? Like, I need you to be aggressive and to, like, get downhill and penetrate more and just, like, be more confident. You know, I think that's more than anything, just like exuding a little bit more confidence when you're on the floor. Um, and I mean, it's just crazy to me, like how people think he hates him. Like, bro, if he hated him, why would he have gone? Like, he mentioned it, right? And we know that. Like, he's like, the, he, I met with Frank in L.A. And then we know that he also went to Dallas to, like, watch him work out where, when Frank was working out there. And we also know that Mike Miller was there at a workout. So, like, and Mike Miller, who has now been promoted to the to the coaching staff, right? He's an assistant. It's like, why would he spend this much time on a player he just didn't like and had no interest for, right? Like, <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I don't see that. Like, you'd be giving, you'd be thinking like Fizz is playing some real crazy chess if you think that that's what he's doing. I, I don't know. Like, I can, I totally think that like, Perry's not huge on Frank, but I don't think Fizz really is like, I mean, maybe Frank's not his favorite player, sure. I definitely think, like, RJ is the kind of, like, alpha that Fizz has a huge raging, like, boner for. But, you know, I think he likes Frank fine. I mean, he's... I don't see any reason to believe he... Otherwise. Um, whatever. I, I don't know. I just... Yeah, anyway, that's just, like... I agree with you. I, I heard that. I think the... I forgot who was on with you when you guys were talking. That might have been uh, when you had... Uh, was it with Borkinov? Or was it with Piccolo? I think it was one of those. I remember you guys talking about that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, full disclosure, I forget what episode that was, too. We talked about Frank a bunch. Oh, I want to say that was working out, though. Because with, yeah. with Piccolo, we talked about uh, I talked about Mitch, mostly, because that was our Mitch season review. So I want to say that was probably working out. But, yeah, I, you know, I think I did make a point of asking him, like, is it overstated that his dislikes Frank or whatever? And he kind of confirmed that. I mean... I don't know. I mean, they, they only get so much intel, too. I think it makes, honestly, as far as the media is concerned, I think it makes for a better storyline if Frank, like the last talisman of Phil Jackson, is like this odd man out um, that the Knicks just want to get rid of to completely clean the slate or whatever and, and can't appreciate, you know, what he brings to the table and all this stuff. I think there is something to be said, though, like for what you said about Perry. Uh, I don't think that Perry loves him, uh, which is why he keeps trying to bring in other point guards, you know, he brought in Dennis Smith, he brought in Moutier, um, you know, he's he brought in Alfred this year, obviously, so, I don't know, I think they just want to have a healthy competition at point two, though, because, it, you know, I'm sure that Scott Perry and Steve Mills especially know better than anybody that the point guard spot has been 
easily the weakest position, you know, in the Knicks organization for the last fucking forever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was trying to find, like, a time frame, but, like, when was the last, like, truly, like, Stefan Marbury, I guess, was, like, the last, like... No, Pablo Prigioni. Pablo. Ray no, it's like, you know, I mean, when's season, the last... You know? It's, like, the like, last time we had a, a, a top half of the league starting guard was probably Marbury. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was gonna say maybe the half season of Raymond Felton, like he was playing like. Nah, that's just that's just fucking D'Antoni's bullshit offense. Yeah, that was D'Antoni. Yeah. Not <laughs> but he looked great with Amari Stoudemire. So that or, was, no, was it was it Chris Duhon? Oh my no, god! Yeah, well, he does have the, the oh, franchise Duhon, record. Oh god! in a game. <laughs> oh man, there's just so many, so many Knicks point guards you just go to, and you're just like shaking. Sergio your head. Rodriguez. Sergio Rodriguez. That was when, was that the uh, the Fed years? Like when yeah, was Sergio? Sergio was before. That was like when we had that bullshit team before 2010 free agency, where it was just like, oh right, that it was, was, just, like, it was yeah. just like the team to like, all right, guys, just just fucking get us there, right? Like, gotcha, <laughs> yeah, they're not, just none of you are gonna be on this team, but just get us there. We'll we'll be we'll where pay is, you. Where is Sergio now? He's back in Europe now. Is he? Yeah, is yeah. he is he went up. Is he what, Meritich? I, I hope so. I hope they're together. Um, Sergio yeah. is Sergio is low-key good in that uh, in that 2K when he's on the Sixers. Was it 2K18, 2K17? Oh, yeah? Was he good? Yeah. Yeah, he was a uh, – that was like the last time I played 2K. I just remember Sergio Rodriguez. I would always pick him up as the uh, the backup point guard, and he would always, like, drain every single three, and he made, like, the best passes. Yeah, I mean, 2K really went downhill once they hired fucking James to work on it, so um, – Oh, I agree. The stories have been awful. Like I came into a he he was the one who gave the idea to turn it into a gambling simulator, that bastard. <laughs> he was like, Hey, how can we take more of these poor addicted souls as money? <laughs> let's let's put an actual slot machine in the game. We'll really yeah. fuck with them this time. Uh, it definitely sounds like the corporate chill that James Marcita is. And, and yeah, James James is like really just truly an evil mercenary disguised as a writer. Yeah, and look, like if if Perry just to get back, but like if Perry didn't <laughs> If Perry didn't, if he was like hell bent on getting Frank, like the way I think of it is that it's Perry Mills and Fizdale, and I truly think like they're working together to a certain extent. So I think if Fizdale was like, look, I, I don't really care for this guy, just get rid of him. And we know that I think it's safe to assume that I'm not saying Perry hates him, but I think it's safe to assume that Perry's not like, you know, a huge fan of his necessarily. Um, and I think it's pretty obvious Mills is, like, in his corner. So I just think, like, if, if Fizz was kind of against Frank, he, he would have been traded one way or the other um, by now. And yeah, they would have gotten a second pick, second-round pick by now. If they or something. Really, they, yeah, they, something. if they really wanted to get rid of Frank, right. he would have been traded by now. Right. So I'm, I'm more of the opinion that, like, maybe Fizz is not his biggest fan, but I think Fizz also is like, look, I, I think this guy can actually play, so... Like, why don't we keep him and see if I can use my magical development skills to to turn him into a dog? <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a dog. <laughs> I think they got to take him into the transmutation chamber, turn him into a true dog. No, I think I think they just make him room with Morris. That's probably that that's probably, probably work pretty well. <laughs> that that would definitely work. I mean, like you have to stand up against Morris. Did it, uh, they should just. They should just have him watch like Full Metal. They should just reenact Full Metal Jacket, like the <laughs> training scene with Frank. Oh man! Didn't, uh, 
I'd have Morris be like, uh, what's his name? What's the drill sergeant's name? I forget. But he's like in all those shows or whatever, too. Yeah, that was it. R.H. Hermie or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> We're butchering his name. Rest in peace to the uh, drill sergeant who's dead who's rolling in his grave right now because he can't remember his name. Um, didn't, uh, didn't the Morris twins go to like a uh, like a boys and girls center to like beat up their stepfather? Yeah, they did some crazy. I mean, they're fucking... <laughs> God, I wish we had both of them in, uh, in New York. Can you imagine all the stories we would hear if they were both in New York together? I actually think that it's good that they're separated. Um, and, yeah, look, Marcus Morris has already just, just got, the, got the whole... I think he's got the whole Knicks fan base behind him already. So. Oh, yeah, he, he can't do anything wrong right now. After <laughs> hit Justin Anderson in the head with the basketball. Like, he is... He's like a, he has going to have his, you know, his jersey in the rafters. Yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of, like, that's Bush League tweets, and I was just like, look, man, I don't know, maybe maybe this game isn't for you. <laughs> I think we just need to draw the, the appropriate line between, like, it was sort of Bush League, but it was also badass, and we should appreciate it. We should appreciate him having the stones to, like, bop a dude in the head with a he, basketball he, and do some, like, like, street ball shit like that. Morris, he did the this type of shit when he was on the Celtics last year, and all we heard about was, like, how he's oh, so yeah. tough and, like, it just adds so much to the culture. Identity. The motherfucker <laughs> puts on a fucking Knicks jersey, and now all it's we have Bush to League. Yeah, Bush I know. League, and he's a thug, and I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, and his cancer went from, a, you know, from a complete defensive nothing, you know, stat-grabbing player to all of a sudden, like, the missing piece to the Boston Celtics summer. Well, to be well, to be fair on that, more Knicks fans were saying about Ennis Cantor. Like the media still. That's saying. true, actually. People outside in New York were taking a side and being like, "I can't believe they're not playing a guy that averages seventeen and 10. It's like, Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. And then, <laughs> don't worry, the Celtics fans. I think a few of them right now. They're already on Twitter. Saying. They already they're, know. They already know. They're just like, "Oh boy, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna work." And we're like, they're "Yeah, right. maybe we obviously since all these Knicks fans last year." So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess this this would probably be a good segue for. Um, for you, Drew, because one of the NBA media members who was really big on the uh, the Knicks are doing Ennis Cantor dirty train was uh, was was our boy, our boy, uh, true true enemy of the show, Howard the Beck. Oh God, Howard uh, Howard Beck today with his uh, tweet, which was very disingenuous. And yeah, this is a good segue point to our discussion on everything related to China in the NBA, and I don't even know where to start with my rant, because I'm just so frustrated and disappointed with everyone in the way that it's being covered, the way the league has reacted, just just everything about it, and it's just that you have Howard Beck saying that the people who are dis- who are disappointed and angry and bashing Steve Kerr for pulling a no comment when he is one of the most outspoken um, coaches or just any, you know, members of the NBA on any sort of social issue, and he pulls a no comment on what's going on in Hong Kong and what they're doing in China. And he's like, well, if you're bashing him, you know, you just don't agree with anything that he says, you know, with his social commentary. And that's just not true. Like, people who are disappointed and upset with Steve Kerr, do agree with what he says because he largely says a lot of things that are socially conscious and fair and what a lot of people agree with. I agree with pretty much everything Steve Kerr has argued and fought for, you know, in the press. And he's going to go out here and pull a no comment on Hong Kong. Like, that's just 
that's just ridiculous to me. And then to have Howard Beck be like, yeah, everyone who disagrees with him is fucking Clay Thomas Nazis. And it's like, no, that's not the case. Of course Clay Thomas and all his fucking Trump supporters are going to bash Kerr in the, in the league for not for not standing up to China. I'm like, that's because they're opportunistic and they're disingenuous, disgusting people. So obviously they're going to do that. But so many people who are upset with the league and with the way the media has covered this stuff for a certain you know, individuals, it's just, it's so disappointing overall, and we are allowed to criticize and be disappointed in everyone. Like, that is a fair criticism. If you're going to be the league that cares about social issues and being woke, and you're going to decide to not support the, you know, the citizens of Hong Kong, you know, fighting for their freedom right now because some totalitarian bullshit government is going back on their word, like, an, an agreement that was legally binding, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't want to hear that. Like, I don't want to hear that, like, you're not well-versed in it. Like, just Google it. It's not that hard. How fucking well-versed? Like, first of all, you're not asking you to get a fucking PhD in, like, you know, Chinese, like, geopolitical affairs, right? No one's asking you to do that. It doesn't take too long to to put, like, some basic shit together and be like, yeah, okay, I think it seems like the Hong Kong protesters have a point, and uh, I support them for that. And, like, that doesn't even mean that you think that, like, you're, that doesn't, that's not even that strong of a statement, right? Like, uh, but, like, look, I, I get your frustration. I, I'm as equally frustrated with, like, Kerr and I, – I don't even I, – I didn't listen to any of the, the, the interviews with Popovich, so I, I, I can't speak to what he Yeah, not that I, but I don't think he – if, like, if he actually said something, we would all know. Right, it wouldn't even – so, like, maybe he didn't say anything. I, like I said, I, I didn't – I didn't hear what he said, so I'm not going to even mention it. But I did hear Kerr's, and that was disappointing. Uh, I, I saw fucking James Harden apologize to the government of China. Like, why are you apologizing? Um, why are you apologizing? Like, and, you about? why are you apologizing to them? Like, don't yeah, apologize to China. Yeah, and, like, before we get into the even the owners that have kind of voiced their – the two owners that have made their feelings known publicly, um, I just think the league – the league's response has been so poor, so poor, and, like, they botched their initial response by, like, kind of trying to wishy-washy it and just kind of, like, kind of support it, but not really, and, you know, China's great. It's, like, you kind of just have to take a stance, and I'm not, it doesn't even need to be that aggressive, but, like, you're you're, you're getting bullied right now by the Chinese government because, you're a slave to their dollars. You're a slave to their market. And will you take a financial hit if China bans the NBA? Absolutely. Absolutely you will. It's a fucking huge market. More people watched the, more people watched the NBA finals in China last summer than even live in the United States of America. Okay? Like, it's a huge market. I understand that. But, like, you kind of just have to have at some point like it can't i just want to believe that it's it can't always just be about money you know like i really want to believe that i clearly i'm wrong and it always is about money but i would love to just i I would love for it to not always be about money you know um and and to go back to your point about the league like look you don't get to kind of get this prestige of um uh, like you know like in tv there's like prestige networks prestige shows right shows yeah, that aren't yeah like the wire yeah yeah like they're prestige they're not they're not there to 
make you money. They're more about like you know, the, the, you get the, the awards and the, the critical acclaim. And it's like, I think to an extent, the NBA has tried to position itself, at least in the American sports landscape, as kind of like a prestige league with its woke takes and like supporting the players being vocal about Trump and moving the All-Star game from Charlotte and all these things. And like, I, I think once you start doing stuff like that, you are taking a stance as a league, whether directly or tacitly. And at that point, you you don't get to have it both ways. Like, no, not at all. You can't be like, well, now we don't, you know, oh, well, now, like, this is affecting money and, like, we need to understand the situation and all that. Like, I mean, okay, but, like, do you really think every NBA player understood the situation of what was going on in, like, fucking Charlotte when they moved the All-Star game? I would, I highly, highly doubt it. I highly, highly doubt it. Um, do I think every fucking player that, like, tweets fuck Trump has a clear understanding of, like, the ramifications of his policies and what they do and don't do? No, absolutely not. They don't. Like, we need to stop pretending that these guys have the full understanding of these situations just because they more directly impact us, okay? Like, that's just bullshit. And... I'm sorry, but, like, I don't buy that excuse, and I think it's weak. And I would – I actually would just rather them say, like, look, uh, I, I would rather Kerr get up there and just be like, look, I've been instructed um, to, to not talk about um, any issue related to China at, at this point. I, I would, yeah, that, I would, I would That's a better answer because it, it, like, it comes off as him being like, look, I really want to say stuff, but, like, I'm going to get in trouble. And it's just like, you know what? More people would be understanding to the idea of just, like, you know what? We're putting him in a bad situation. The league is doing this to him, and he can't really say what he wants to say. Like, that's the impression that would come off that that was his response. But he decided to go, no comment. I'm not familiar with it. And it's like, that's really disingenuous to me and really disappointing because I highly doubt Steve Kerr knows all, like, the nuances that goes on with, like, police brutality, you know, transgender bathroom situations in Charlotte, like, see, I actually, if I may, if I may, I actually, I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys said, except for the Steve Kerr stuff, because Steve Kerr to me, the way that he talks to media and stuff, and the way that he talks about issues, I think that he likes, he legitimately does like to be completely well-learned on any given issue before he makes any sort of comment about it, like, I like, I don't know, you guys, I know you guys follow um, Brian O'Ringer, who occasionally is kind of a hothead <laughs> and a weirdo. But, um, he, uh, friend of the show, he, friend of the show, Scout with Brian. Ooh, scout know. with Brian, yeah, <laughs> it makes great scouting videos, it's just a little, little, little unhinged sometimes, but, um, but he posted a thing, you know, sort of in defense of Steve Kerr, um, basically like, he was like, I emailed Steve Kerr one time about comments that he made about like the... Um, Israel-Palestine situation at, like, 1 a.m. the night after, or, like, the night of, like, a Western Conference Finals game or something, and he literally emailed me that night to, like, give me his thoughts on it, and he was very well-spoken on it, very well-learned, had good, you know, like, knew exactly what he was talking about. I do think, in the case of Steve Kerr, he legitimately doesn't want to speak up on this unless he actually knows it well, because he's a guy that, you know, with American politics, you know, He's always very he's well spoken about Trump issues and stuff like that, just like Popovich is. I mean, his dad got murdered in like Beirut. Right, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I mean, so he's very well learned about that. But like, so 
That's good. That's fair. I mean, I just so I, I just think yeah, I do legitimately think that he wants to be well learned about something before he comments on. It. He's like the one guy I'll give a pass on this. The NBA has been atrocious with handling the whole situation. My I mean, Okay, go. You finish up because I have, I have a counter for you. For that. I was just gonna say they've just been the NBA stuff has just been getting pushed around this whole time. I mean, there's literally like, I, and the Rockets even more so are the worst ones because the Rockets. Oh, oh we're gonna talk about the Rockets. Oh, we're gonna talk about the Rockets. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, no, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You can talk about it though. Well, I was just gonna say. I mean, they literally have like their own PR people telling Russell Westbrook and James Harden their two biggest figureheads to not say anything, <laughs> and they got asked like a pretty tame question, man. It wasn't like what are your thoughts about Hong Kong? It was literally just like, because of the events of this week, do you feel stranger about commenting on social issues now? And their PR person like yelled in from the side, like, don't answer that. It's like, are you serious? Like, that's like a very basic ass question. Like, that's like, just like a yes or no, man. Like, like, and it'd probably be like, yeah, I I don't know how comfortable I'm going to be talking about stuff now because we're kind of like, you know, being strong armed to not talk about things now. But I don't know. It's fucking, it's just, Annoying the whole situation. The, the Rockets, like I said, the Rockets are terrible. The NBA is bad. Steve Kerr, uh, I'm willing to give a pass to, even though I wish he would have at least said something to the effect of like, I, I support Daryl Morey, and like, I you know I I understand that this is a bad situation for the people of Hong Kong. I just don't know enough to really fully comment on it yet. But well, my only counter to the whole like you know scouts with Brian thing about you know, Israel and Palestine, I think of all the geopolitical issues of the uh, 21st, 20th, 19th, 18th, 17th, 16th, 15th, 14th, you know, continued century, I think the conflict between Israel and Palestine is probably the most complex I of, you know, definitely, let's say it's a Mount Rushmore, <laughs> you know, complicated, <laughs> you know, geopolitical um, conflict that's going on. Hong Kong is rather straightforward, right? Like, anyone who just kind of just reads up on it, it's it's rather straightforward of what's happening. So the idea that he needs to be – like, the idea of, like, if he's so well-versed and nuanced with Israel and Palestine, I think he's fully capable of being well-versed and understanding that the Chinese government is overreaching and being authoritarian and um, imperialistic when it comes to Hong Kong. I, I think that's fair to say with Kerr. Like, I'm fine if you want to give him a pass, but his defense can't be I am nuanced with probably the most, com- you know, complicated, you know, political conflict of our time. Like, that that can't be your defense for this one. So, yeah. Like, it, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> that can't be the case. No, yeah. not, not going to respond? <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from. I mean, I, I don't know. I just, like I said, I just think that that I just understand, I guess, where, like, Kerr is coming from in this regard. But I can understand, like, being pissed that he's that he wasn't at least a little bit vocal as one of, like, the leading political voices in the NBA. You well, know what I mean? Like, just like, yeah, just like you you can be a little better with it. But let's, we need to bash the Rockets before we bash our uh, our last thing. The Rockets are fucking disgraceful. Let's be honest. They're absolutely disgraceful about how they've handled everything. You have the, like you mentioned, the PR person's like hushing a legitimate question from CNN. It's not even asking about Hong Kong. It's like, hey, you guys can't speak about this. How is this affecting you? And they're like, shut the fuck up. And it's like, are you kidding me? Then you have their players defending um, the uh, the government, and you have the, the owner caving in as well. Like, it's absolutely disgraceful what we just witnessed with uh, – Everything with the Rockets, and they're not standing with their uh, their GM, like their employee. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's just insane to me. 
it's <laughs> it the I think everything about it is crazy. Um so like even from Mori on down because Mori tweets this thing, right? And it's like a very tame fucking thing. But then he deletes it as soon as there's, you know, this pushback. And it's like, so you don't even believe... And then he issues this entire edict where he's, like, apologizing for it, right? So that's, yeah, yeah. Like, I understand it, but I'm also like, wow, dude, that's so weak. That's really, really weak. Um, and I, I don't know. I just... <laughs> it, it's just very crazy to me. Then, I mean, for today, I handled it so poorly, uh, just immediately coming out and, like, basically undermining what... Um, you know, what Maury tweeted. Uh, and then he was, like, liking comments on Instagram about firing Maury. Do you mm-hmm. see this? He was, yeah, like, liking no, comments about this. What the fuck are you doing, man? Um, that, that's just... I just... I, I mean, as it is, I despise that organization. So, like, it's just their entire handling of this is so, so poor. And I... I don't know, man. I just... It's very hard for me to, and then Harden, which we talked about, which is like that was insane for him to just up, apologizing, like, have some decent, like just have a little bit of have a little shred of self respect for yourself, buddy. Um, yeah, defend the guy who says you're better than Michael Jordan. Like, come on now, <laughs> like seriously. Yeah. I mean, the thing the thing with Maury seemed pretty obvious to me. It was basically just. He tweeted it because, I, honestly, this is my real honest opinion. Unfortunately, like I think, unfortunately for Daryl Morey, he's kind of become this like this like martyr for this cause almost. That I I really doubt that he's like super super passionate about. I think he There's probably no way that. He is. <laughs> I, I think he probably just tweeted that because it was like the trendy hashtag to tweet out and like the trendy thing to like support, you know. And and then realize. I just seen something on Twitter and been like, oh yeah, like this. Is oh yeah, it. I agree yeah. with this. Yeah, this seems like an atrocity. Okay, I'll, I'll tweet this out too, <laughs> and then immediately started getting bombarded probably with emails from Rockets ownership being like, you motherfucker, like you're ruining our business opportunities. Like China, the Chinese government emailed us five seconds after that went out. Please delete it. <laughs> like, you know, it's because the Chinese government is insane. Um, but yeah, I just uh, <laughs> I think that ultimately he just did something that. He, you know, probably saw for a minute, thought like, oh, this is something I can get behind, and then like tweeted it, and now it's like borderline ruining his whole career. <laughs> so I kind of, as much as I don't like Daryl Morey, I feel for him a little bit in that regard. But yeah, the, the Rockets, I mean, it was like I was just saying a minute ago, the Rockets have been the worst out of anybody in this whole situation because they're the ones that they have a huge Chinese fan base, yeah. and now China's literally pulling their merch and everything else, like, I mean, they're they banned it, right? They, they yeah, banned it already. Banned games, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the ones that literally wear the Chinese jerseys. Like no other team in the league really does that. Uh, they wear like Chinese jerseys every single year with like you know rockets and Chinese written on them because that's like such a huge part of of their team identity okay. at this so, point. So just just to be clear, but this is what Maury tweeted out. Okay, he just tweeted out, "Fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong." That's it. <laughs> that's the tweet, right? <laughs> And then, and then more, and then Fertitta, like, I don't know, as soon as he sees this, clearly, puts out a tweet, listen, at Daryl Morey does not speak for the Houston Rockets. Our presence in Tokyo is all about the promotion of the NBA 
internationally, and we are not a political organization. Which is, like, fucking total bullshit, because this guy goes on CNBC and, like, praises Donald Trump. He's, like, bitched about how hard it is to, to pay, like, workers, <laughs> medical care and shit. It's like, dude, you are such a clown show right now. Go away. Just shut up. You leveraged out your own fucking wealth to buy an NBA team, and you can't afford it, so you've been cutting fucking costs ever since you took over. Like, I'm so sick of this guy. He looks like a fucking degenerate alcoholic to begin with. He's a piece of shit, obviously. Like, he's never going to listen to this pod, so I really don't give a shit what I say about him. You think but the Chinese he, government's going to listen to this pod? Fuck the Chinese government. <laughs> Uh, like, uh, he's just, he's... Can you imagine China, China sends SB Nation an email? Like, I just can't imagine being that rich and being that much of a pussy. Um, like, you can't even, you don't even have... Okay, do, get him to, I understand getting him to delete the tweet, right? I, I do understand that just from a business perspective. But, like, I feel like like he really just threw him under the bus with that. He did. Just threw him under the bus. Yeah, and that's... I, I don't like that. Like, I think you could even come out with a statement and just put out something better than this, right? Just, you don't need to, like... I, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I can't think. Like, I, you pay probably millions of dollars for PR people, okay? Have them figure out what to tweet, what to say, and, and let them handle it, right? You don't need to be on your own personal account handling business at 11.54 p.m. <laughs> Okay, and that's on like that's on a that's on a Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. So you know his ass been drinking. Like, there's no way he needs to be doing that. Oh man, um, Alex, do you have anything to add before I rip who I think actually may be even worse than the than the Rockets? Is it Joe Sai? It's Joe Sai. I mean, yeah, go well, for it, baby. Go in. Guy. I'm ready to move on to this one. I mean, this fucking guy. <laughs> he has the goddamn nerve to go on Facebook and try to belittle people be like, you don't understand Chinese history and the complications can, of can, it. Can I read some of his, his greatest history? Oh, here? please. Please read it. Okay. Supporting a separatist movement in a Chinese territory <laughs> is, is one of those third rail issues, not only for the Chinese government, but also for citizens of China. The one thing that is terribly misunderstood and often ignored by the Western press and those critical of China is that 1.4 billion Chinese citizens stand united when it comes to the territorial integrity of China and the country's sovereignty over her, over her homeland. This issue is non-negotiable. That. Uh, go at it. Go, okay. go ahead at it. This <laughs> frustrates me so much. First of all, Hong Kong is a part of China. Like, this fucking guy doesn't even understand that Hong Kong is a part of China. They're Chinese. It's not an independent country. It's not a sovereign city. It's not Singapore. It's nothing like that. It just has its own legislative council that deals with its own, you know, entity. That's it. It's just, you know. It's and like, that was agreed upon. Yes, that was agreed upon. That's the thing that's so goddamn frustrating that people are like, you don't understand what's going on. The Chinese are like, no, we're not. We're just not agreeing to this anymore. Like, they're just going to, you know, get, like, we're just taking you, Hong Kong. And Hong Kong's like, no, we agreed to this. This is why we have the separate governments. Like, you agreed to this. And China's like, no, we're not doing this anymore. And they're beating the shit out of the people of Hong Kong because of it. Like, Josiah is speaking fucking Chinese communist propaganda, and he's an owner of an American <laughs> sports franchise. And no one is criticizing Josiah at all. 
It's and just us right now on a podcast that only like 700 people listen to. Like, this is fucking 7,000 people. Yeah, 700,000 people listen to this. It's 700,000 people, and none of them are going to be in China after this, uh, after this episode. Like, where is the outrage from so, legacy media people? Like, I swear to God, if James Dolan said this, we wouldn't hear the end of it for the entire season. They would always be like, hey, you know that James Dolan guy? He sided with the fucking communists. That's all we would hear about from every single person. But just because the Nets owner did it, and he supposedly, you know, because he's, he's not even from China. He's from Taiwan. He grew up in Taiwan. Do, do people not know what Taiwan actually is? Like, holy shit. Let's read a fucking country. history book. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what is a country, like, how it became a country? It was from the fucking revolution. Like, do you guess not? I, I swear to God, fucking, just I can go fucking, you know, kick rocks. <laughs> I, I knew where you were, I know where you were going to go with that one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, know if I could possibly even add anything. To, see, I'm going to pull the Steve Kirk card here. I'm going to say, I don't know nearly enough about this shit to go in as hard as Drew oh. just went in. So I'm going to let that one stand. I can't, I couldn't possibly add anything that would make that better. Yeah, so, so like, uh, the only thing I will add to is actually just to build upon that, is, uh, so, like, he not only, so he's of Chinese, like, he, Chinese, he's a Chinese ancestry, Chinese descent, he's of yeah. Chinese descent, but, yes, he was born in Taiwan, grew up in Taiwan, then he moved to this country called America, uh, went to high school here. Went to undergraduate school here. I think he went to, I want to say Yale or Princeton maybe. I forget what. Some fucking Ivy League school. Okay. Uh, he went to undergraduate there and I'm pretty sure Princeton and law school there. So, and then he's been working in America. Like he worked in America. That was his first job. Was, you don't know, probably working at some douchebag Wall Street firm or something. Um and now, and then whatever. Now he's involved with Alibaba, who is like <laughs> yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's basically yeah, Chinese Amazon, big, way bigger than Amazon. Oh, way significantly, significantly bigger than Amazon. So imagine that. Um, and like, you know, that's that's what he's doing. <laughs> I, I don't even know what else to say other than that. And it's just it's bizarre to me. Uh, I. I don't understand. I tweeted about this this week. It's pretty simple. Like, if James Dolan, uh, look, James Dolan catches shit for like he gets like labeled as some fucking threat to democracy because he's not inviting, you know, the New York Daily News. Yeah, to, to phone conversations. Oh God forbid, fucking Stephen Bondi doesn't hear a fucking you know yeah. like what's it called investor call. Like yeah. fucking spare me. Yeah, it's like introductory press conferences and investor calls. Joe Sy is out here like propagating, you know, he's just spouting off communist propaganda, like, I, I, he's, he's basically, he is actually arguing against freedom of expression. Yes. Like, he's saying that an American citizen should not be allowed to... To talk about to Chinese talk about, issues. Yeah, to talk about Chinese issues in America. Um, that's, so, yeah, it's just, it's amazing to me how, like, look, if you want to talk about fake woke, you want to know who is more fake woke than the NBA? All of the fucking people that constitute NBA Twitter. All the check marks, all you motherfucking check marks. Not all of you, but most of you. All of them love to get on their social and political high horse and 
all the time, 24-7, 365, I see all these fucking political conversations. I try my best not to get involved because that's not really one my field my area of expertise and it's just not something i really want to get involved with on twitter which i think is like generally the worst medium in the entire world to discuss any any issue with nuance um like it's hard enough discussing the the poor zingus train on twitter forget you know any serious issue so like i try to avoid that but I feel like so many people in NBA media, like, I mean, look, we can be honest, like, Howard Beck is always talking about social media, or not, like, like, I don't want to say SJW stuff, but, like, yeah, SJW stuff. Uh, <laughs> we don't talk about, you know, we talk about, like, freedom of the press, freedom of expression, the idea that, like, freedom is important, the idea of you be able to, like, express yourself, and the idea that right. people are allowed to comment on these things, and, he's, and the idea, you know, police brutality and, you know, domestic abuse and all these sort of things. Like, he's very, on the, like, him and so many other people are on the forefront of these sort of issues. And then you have something that's rather straightforward in Hong Kong, and you're going to pull the card of, like, oh, this is a lot more nuanced, and you're not going to rip an owner who is just so blatantly in, like, the, the thing for, like, China. It's, like, it's not only just, like, the Hong Kong thing. They're harvesting organs from ethnic Muslims in the western part of China right now. Like, they're ethically cleansing their population. They've not only done this, and they have done these, like, this before, too, under Mao. It's, like, and, and they, this and is they're, they're supporting like, how are you – it's unbelievably frustrating. I think they have them in what they're calling, like, re-education camps or something yes, like that. Yes, which is basically concentration camps. Yeah, well, it's like basically yeah, like – it's like basically renounce your religion or go to this camp and die. Um, yeah, insane. Yeah, so – and, like, look, one thing I will say, I will I, – I, hey, I shit on the Knicks beat all the time. But I will say one thing I appreciate about the Knicks beat is that these guys don't really tweet out – they don't get into that too much, you know? I haven't noticed too many, like – you know, look, we, I think we all follow the Knicks beat guys. I don't need to name who they are. But, like, I don't really notice any of them going deep, deep down political rabbit holes ever, you know? So, like, when they don't tweet about this, I don't actually have too big of a problem with that. My problem is more that, like, I think this is a issue worth exploring and asking questions about and talking to, right? So, like, look, maybe, um, maybe they didn't want Maybe a lot of NBA coaches and players and whoever, personnel, maybe they don't want to talk about it while there are still teams there, you know, because you just don't know. You don't want it to escalate it anymore. I mean, and maybe, that's fair. And maybe, look, once they leave, maybe we'll get a bunch of super honest, honest opinions and feelings and whatever. I'm not particularly bullish on that, but let's just say that's a possibility. You know, I, all I'm saying is, like, once these guys leave China, all these NBA teams... I would be very disappointed if at least the, the the local New York beat, if not the national guys, I don't expect shit from the national guys because they only care about stupid storylines and dumb narratives at all times. Um, but I I would like to see if the, if the local beat would, uh, you know, kind of explore this because I think it is something worth exploring. Uh, our, our good friend, uh, Nets Daily, even on their Twitter account, uh, actually tweeted out, Tweeted out this week that they were like, yeah, we like don't be surprised if there's protests outside of Barclays all year long. Um, and I, I do think that's a distinct possibility because obviously there's a significant um, Chinese and presumably Hong Kong population in New York City. And, um, you know, I'm sure that they, many of them will feel a certain type of way about what Joe, Joe Tsai decided to kind of insert him when he decided to insert himself into 
the conversation. Um, I mean, I think you're overlooking the fact that Brooklyn is the cool borough. Oh, you're right. According <laughs> to Kevin Durant. So what's going to happen is Joe Sy is just going to go outside, uh, you know, in his, like, nice aviator sunglasses and just do, like, you know, little, like, finger guns at people. And it's just well, going to, you know, totally, like, negate the fact that he's a terrible person because he's so cool. Right. Well, the one thing I will say I'm disappointed in is the fact that, like, Josiah said this on Monday, and then Kevin Durant goes on his whole thing for Hot 97 on Tuesday, and everyone just kept talking about the Kevin Durant thing, and that's just so frustrating. I mean, it almost me. makes you wonder if they I have were the same that way. I almost I'm – I'm, I'm not even joking. I think that's 100% what happened. Because I, be I don't – I don't – like, usually when these guys are going on, like – if you're going on, like, Hot 97 or something, right? You would at least hear about it. I'm not saying it'd be huge news, but like, it would. You would hear about it like a day before or something like that, right? Like, oh yeah, Kevin Durant's going to be on with us tomorrow. Um, I I can't say I was listening to Hot 97 all day Monday. <laughs> they did do that, but it just it's kind of interesting. He just went on their show and then like, and I, look, I, fair enough. He got asked the question. You know, he didn't. Yeah, bring he answered it. Like, but, yeah, he but, didn't bring it up. But. At the same time, like, you don't need to answer that question. If they're asking you, like, first, you're fucking Kevin Durant, okay? So you're not on the Knicks. You've never been on the Knicks, even though there are thousands of Photoshopped images of you on the Knicks. You've never been on the Knicks. Um, you're probably never going to be on the Knicks. Why the fuck are you talking about the Knicks? Why are you giving your opinion on the Knicks? I don't want to hear your opinion on the Knicks. Yeah, who cares? I don't give a shit. If, if Julius Randle was asked about the look, look they, asked, they asked R.J. Barrett and Kevin Knox at, like, multiple events before the season about the Nets. And what was their answer? We don't care about the Nets. We're not worried about the Nets. We're worried about ourselves. If they can give that mature verse, he wanted to answer that question. That's what I'm saying. Like, he wanted to answer that question. He wanted to say something about the Knicks. And... He said whatever he said, and like, sure, he didn't bring it up himself, but he didn't duck it, and one thing we know about Kevin Durant is he's not afraid to just give an answer that has nothing to do with the question you ask, or just insult you for even asking the question, you know. Uh, so I don't really give a shit what the reason is for him to, like, I just, he, he shouldn't talk about the Knicks, okay? Like, you should, he shouldn't talk about any team that's not the Nets, as far as I'm concerned. I thought it was shitty that he threw the Warriors and Steph and all those guys kind of under the bus in that Wall Street Journal interview. I thought it was shitty that he, in the same interview, he was, like, taking a dump on OKC for no apparent reason. Um, I'm just, I, I don't, I don't think you need to do that. I don't think you should be doing that. It's not your place anymore. You don't play for these teams. Um, like, you're not an employee. They don't fucking pay your pay. Like, they don't pay you money. You don't have to talk about them. You don't get to talk about them. Shut the fuck up. Um, Kevin Durant, if I may, is like the the physical embodiment of you know that the the one you know there's like all the memes of like the crudely drawn dude like the black and white thing where it's you know the guy with all the different expressions or whatever he is like the physical embodiment of the one with like the crude smiley mask in front of the face <laughs> like frantically crying behind it like that's absolutely Kevin Durant all the time like he's just like I don't care man but let me tell you why the Knicks suck like. Yeah. He wants to act like he's Mr. Indifferent, but he's like, really, yeah. he cares very much about everything. Right. And then the second thing is, like, if I want to find out what is cool, I am not finding out from the dude 
who didn't want to be called the Slim Reaper and wanted to be called the Servant, okay? Exactly. That's the second point. The third point is, like, my question is, if if that's the answer he gives, right? Oh, well, you know, the Knicks aren't cool and, um, you know, they're like, you know, young guys now, they think that the Warriors are cool and maybe the Lakers even and the Nets, like, sure. I don't even want to get into how ridiculous putting the Nets with those two teams is, but I digress. Um, like, if that's the question, like, wouldn't the natural follow-up then be, why are you making life-altering decisions based on what the fuck is cool? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't expect I, ninety seven to do it, but yeah, you're right. That's the follow up question. Like, why, yeah, what? That's no, ninety seven doesn't need to do it. I'm saying, like, look, not. I don't want to call anybody out, but I'm going to say, it, like, Vorkanov had that article today about why Kevin Durant's like, you know, uh, why cool, why him saying cool matters, which is yeah, why why it matters. And I, I, I don't have the athletic anymore. Shout out to you, Frank Isola, for sending me money. Um, like I, I don't know what the the body of that was, but to me, if it didn't fundamentally ask or bother to delve into that question specifically, like why are you making life altering choices based on what's cool, then I just don't really get it because that's my natural thought. Like the next thought is like, okay, well, why are you making like you know basically at what like at mo- at the second biggest decision of his career, if not the first. Right, it's the site mm-hmm. like in his basketball career anyway. It's a massive decision he made in his career based on it being cool. And like, you're not just talking about like these guys. Kevin Durant left the Golden State Warriors, okay? Kyrie Irving left. Like, we shit on the Celtics, but like the Celtics objectively pretty good situation, pretty decently run team for a long time. Okay, we don't need to like. I think we all think that Ainge is a bit overrated, but I don't think anybody would say he's a bad. It, he clearly runs a good organization. Okay. Um, like, they left these teams to go play for the Nets because the Nets are cool? Like, I would ask that. I would I would want to find out more about that. What does that mean? Why are you making choices based on that? Um, and, you know, just for the record, the Nets have a worse record in this decade than the Knicks. I just want to throw that out there. I think they're 19 games worse, 19 wins worse than the Knicks in this decade. So please miss me. No, No team has ever fucking milked. And eight or whatever the whatever six seed seven seed whatever the hell they got. No one has ever milked a forty two and forty season more than the Nets had no milked yet. that season. So, like you know, I the whole thing made no sense to me. The only reason they've been able to milk that that much is because of what a horrific garbage fire they were before that. Like it was just such a stark turnaround from the fact that like they went from. You know, lottery team without any draft picks to yeah to a forty two and forty team that actually made the playoffs. Plus, they were everybody's darling anyway. Like the second that they Hired. the second that they offered Alan Crabb a huge contract, got saved on it, and then gave up assets to bring him back, they were the Colton boys. You know, that's the smartest move <laughs> I've ever seen in my whole life. Any NBA general manager makes, so of course. <laughs> That was, you know, the the straw that broke the camel's back and turned, you know, the Nets into the ultimate uh, darling that they are. I really think, honestly, though, I mean, this is probably, you know, we're kind of Knicks homery, whatever, fuck it. But, like, you know, to a degree, like, I really think that a large part of why the Nets were so, like, blown up is because they play in the same city as the Knicks, and it gives you more opportunity to shit on the Knicks. 
I think that's a really large part of why they started turning into this, like, darling that they were. Well, because how- plenty of other teams have been operating kind of the way that they did, you know, maybe not with quite as good of results, but, like, you know, trying to stockpile assets and shit and, like, you know. I think, I think the Nets are darlings because they live in Brooklyn. Most of the NBA Twitter and writers live in Brooklyn. They just give access to people. That's in, true, yeah. in the media, I think that's really all that it comes down to. Like the Knicks don't give access to anyone. We saw that. We know that. It's we, but we, we all find it ridiculous that they're not more open with their media policy and stuff. But the Knicks are whatever they are with their you know who they want in and whatnot. The Nets they don't care. They bring everyone in, and from everyone from like you know from Zach Lowe to I don't even know who else. Like you know all the people like they live in Brooklyn, they live in Queens, they get to the Barclays Center, they talk about how great everything is. And they get free, um, free press, free you know, free good press because they pretty much have like the entire basketball writing community that yeah. lives in New York. They live there and they have access to the facilities. Like that's really what it comes down to. Do you think? Do you think the writers go up to the big rusty, gross-looking, uh, you know, metal uh, beams or whatever and scratch off a little bit of rust, put it in like a vial to put in their time capsule at home, <laughs> like to remember the day they got to cover the game? <laughs> I probably would. I, I, the thing is, like, count how many times they talk about the Nets without a comparison to the Knicks in any way. It just never happens. It never right? happens. Like, it never, never happens. happens. And it's like, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like, I, I don't I don't know. Maybe it happens with the Clippers, too. I feel like it doesn't happen that, that way over there. And maybe that's because the Clippers are... They're more relevant than the Nets. I don't know. I have no idea. I I don't really look. All I'm saying is, the Nets signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and I feel like all I've heard about the summer is the Knicks, which is fucking bananas. I agree with you on that. Like it's it's true. That's all we heard about. It's between like those two teams, and like all the Knicks did was just like some solid moves, and like that's all we keep hearing about is like Knicks, 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 and it's like okay, so like you're making us have to talk about it. Like I'd much rather talk about like Wayne Ellington, but here we are. I would rather just, like, it's fucking annoying that we have to sit here and, like, and I guess we don't have to, like, work. Like, yeah, we're, we don't we don't have to, but, like, this is what people are talking about. They kind of want to hear, you yeah. know, things on it. So, like, we're you know. Not, we're, we're not driving discourse, right? As much as, you know, our friend Zach DeLuzio wants to fucking yeah, delude himself. Into, people over here thinking we're media personnel, <laughs> this fucking guy. Like, we uh, have to play in anything. For what it's yeah, worth, I was Team Zach on that. We are media to a certain degree. Yeah, you two are both fucking meeples who like chicken breasts, like not seasoned. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are like the fucking alien. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, if 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 I may, you know, vocalize my take on this. It's to be considered media is different than being considered like a quote unquote journalist. You know what I mean? Like I think that. You guys are conflating media with being a journalist, where a journalist is the one that goes and gets the live quotes, covers the games, all that stuff, you know, gets the access that you're looking for and delivers news. But, like, we are secondary news. You know what I mean? Like, we discuss the news. We're essentially, like, like the commentators on TV, you know what I'm saying? Like, to a much lesser degree, you guys We're are Nick's like first TV. take. Exactly. You guys are like Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless. I mean, really, how much news is Skip Bayless breaking? I, he hasn't broken a story in, like, 30 years. How dare you, you know what I mean? Skip Bayless like that? Did, did you see the uh, that ESPN fucking thing they did this week with the Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith? It was the day after. I think it was, like, 
yesterday. Was it the one where Stephen A. like freaked out and was like, "You producers are depressing me." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about the Knicks. I actually didn't yeah. watch. That was actually the one thing I did not watch. It was. It I was, haven't I, watched I, it. I just heard about it. I hadn't watched it until like today. I just it was on like you know when you're just scrolling and a video starts playing and I was like, "Fuck it, I guess I'll just watch it." Um, yeah. So I like I watched it and I was just like, Dude, "This is." This is what happens when you can't talk about China, right? Like, when you can't talk about the most important fucking, the actual most important issue in basketball, at least, occurring right now, and you have to talk about, you have to find shit to talk about, so you just shit on the Knicks. Like, oh, KD said they, why was that news? Like, why does it matter what KD, why the fuck do I care what KD thinks is cool or not? I just can't get over that. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? And I, for for the record, like I loved how everybody that asked about the Knicks, like everyone, Fizdale, Morris, and Randall, all three of them were asked about it. I think maybe in Taj they asked about it. All of them were just like, "Yeah, I don't care, man." His I mean, response was actually hilarious. He yeah, was basically was just like, really "Well, at least we're in the news every day." <laughs> but he's like, he's like, it's amazing that like everybody just keeps talking about us. I'm honored. That was actually really funny. Uh, and then I think. Randall was just like, shit, I think it's pretty cool. And then Randall Morris said just he like, feels really cool wearing his Knicks gear. And yeah. I was like, that's awesome. He's yeah. freaking he, – I tell you what, between him, RJ, him and RJ especially, of the new additions, those guys know how to work a damn microphone. Like, they can like, be, like, in the WWE. Like, you problems. need like, – so one thing, actually, though, I will say this, and I hate I hate giving the Nets credit, but one – it's not even really giving the Nets credit. It's actually much worse than that. I have to give Spencer Dinwiddie credit. Um, but, like, one thing I will say is that, you know, Dinwiddie was, like, a cheerleader for the organization, right? Like, he's been out there for a couple years just, like, talking about how awesome the Nets are, the Nets are this, the Nets are that. Even Jared fucking... Bloated corpse on SVU, Jared Dudley. Yeah, like, he... he like, it is, you need to have that type... Those type of characters and personalities to... Look, you maybe you're never going to shift the media perception until you win a championship like 16 times in a row or something. Um, but I think like having those type of vocal personalities can transmit a different message to players around the NBA, which I think maybe is already slowly happening. But I, I do think that these guys will help it more than anybody else has more as to, obviously. Um, so I think that's great. And like I think you also are seeing perhaps in this, and maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, but I think you're seeing to an extent why Perry and Mills did want to add veterans to this team because I think it would really suck if I was a young player and the highest profile players in the team really were like the young guys um, and you had to sit there and answer these questions about like, do you think playing for the Knicks is cool? Is it cool? Like, what do you think about KD saying it's the Knicks aren't cool? I think that would really suck for like first and second year players or even third year players to have to answer that. Um, and it's nice to have these vets that like can get asked that question. And because first of all, the media wants to talk to them, right? So that like makes a big difference. So like they can kind of take that load off of the young guys. But I think that's like a really good thing, and it, it, it helps those younger players because it's like they just need to focus on fucking basketball. Like, they don't need to worry. They, they're not going to have to deal with all the most ridiculous questions that get asked of them. Um, and, like, 
you know, I mean, as soon as Porzingis got drafted, right, like, he was kind of the immediately cast as the face of the franchise, and, like, people wanted his takes on each and every fucking thing. Like, he got asked every day about, like, the whole Mello and Phil Jackson thing, right? I mean, it is, that whole scenario was so awkward and shittily handled. Um, whereas, like, I just like how they've built this roster, at least in terms of personality, um, and kind of, like, having guys that answer tougher questions protect like there's protection for the young players i guess that's where i'm getting what i'm getting at and i wouldn't say that this was the first like this made it clear and like I, maybe i'm reaching but i i did kind of notice that uh the last couple of days how like those guys were kind of taking the lead and answering these which questions i can't even be i can't imagine being asked such a stupid question <laughs> but they were asked about it and they answered it perfectly all of them answered it perfectly yeah, I would definitely be excited to have Julius Randle, Marcus Morris, and Taj Gibson. Got Taj Gibson as like my backup. You know, like the people who got me have my back. That's a it's a pretty strong foundation because I'm not messing with any of those three guys at all. Yeah, I mean, really, I don't think there's a single player that the Knicks brought in in the off season that I'd really want to mess with. You know, like I'd mess, I'd mess with Alfred Payton. I'd fuck him up. Yeah, uh, yeah, you say that, but he's some violence, man. Like he'd fuck you up. I, I'm going to say, like, I don't think RJ is much of a fighter. I do think Iggy would beat someone up, though. Iggy would beat up everybody on the team, probably. Isn't, guys, like, his dad, isn't his dad, like, a boxer? Like, an MMA guy, yeah. Like, yeah, he's trained. He's, like, he's trained with his dad, you know. Like, yeah, Iggy would beat the shit out of some people. Yeah, like, I, I'm actually convinced now that's got to be, like, 65% of the reason he was drafted. Probably yeah, like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, oh, you're... You fight? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, we need to trade up and go get out, you. Go out there and be the goon squad, please. <laughs> no, but it, it, it is good, though. Like, I know that people... I, culture is... It is so over... I mean, it's weird. Like, it's overblown. But it's not underrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a good way of putting it. Um, Like, the Knicks... I don't think they had a bad culture last year, really. Um... But, like, there wasn't any leader. Like, Tim was the leader, I guess, but it's like, that guy's not really a leader. Um, I appreciate his efforts to try and be a leader, but it's just not kind of like, he doesn't have that charisma or that clout to be in that role. Um, and, I don't know, I just, like, I think the guy... Did you tell me that you didn't think penis cancer was a leader? Uh... Not on the court. Not when it comes to basketball, that's for sure. I don't know. I thought he I thought he led pretty well. He's pretty demonstrative. I mean, he taught everybody how to pout on the bench when they're not playing enough. Um, if, Mar- if Mario Hazonia has to tell you to stop being a fucking pouty asshole, that's yeah. a problem. That is a problem. And his cancer did a great job of teaching how to egg on the crowd to get themselves up last year. That was pretty good to, like, you know, demoralize his teammates and, and insist that he get put into the game. That was that was pretty good. Yeah, that that guy is uh, such an embarrassing piece of trash. He, maybe like I almost would say that I, I would probably take Porzingis back on the team before I take Cancer back on the team. Mm, no, I know it's tough, right? It's a really <laughs> tough decision. <laughs> it's tougher than a knife. At least but Porzingis like, is actually like, useful on the court, though. Right, like, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like at least Porzingis is actually good at basketball. Uh, yeah, but he's not good at like life. 
you know, it's funny. They're cancer kind of is good. Cancer is pretty good at life, though. Yeah, like I cancer's just, good at life. Really good at life. Yeah. I actually, I, I like cancer off the court to a degree. Like he's corny and stuff, but like, you know, he's well-meaning most of the time off the court. But on the court, no, and he's like, like a legitimately good guy. Like he's legitimate. But like on the court and basketball politics wise, he's <laughs> the worst possible player in the history of forever. Of, of professional sports. Yeah, professional <laughs> sports, yes. Forget everybody else. Anybody else that's ever been an issue in sports and his cancer trumps them all. I That's just a good way to uh, probably to end the podcast. Um, Alex, since, you're, since you just decided to just hop on this call without us knowing or anything like that, <laughs> what would you like to plug? Well, to be fair, I did send you guys a message, but you guys were clearly, you know, in the throes of conversation. Oh, my so. God, can you not ruin the joke? God damn so, it, yeah, Alex. I, um, you know, whatever. I, I did just hop on. It was fun. It was a good time. <laughs> did, you, did you announce me ahead of time, like, that I was coming on? Or did I just show up? I don't know. Don't, I don't even know if we're going to cut this now or not. But anyway, just, just plug what you got to plug. I'm just breaking the fourth wall a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to listen this far anyway. Come on, man. You know the numbers. <laughs> that, that's true. You're very right on that. Anyway, uh, which means nobody's going to hear this, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at TheAlexWolf. Follow Posting and Toasting on Twitter, at PTNicksBlogs. Follow LockedOnNicks at Twitter, at LockedOnNicks. And be sure to... Read Posting and Toasting, even though it's probably where you're listening to this podcast. And also make sure to listen to Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. That is all. Oh, That's all I got. And a shout out to uh, Andrew Claudio, who has joined the PNT. Yeah, yeah. Shout, out, shout out to Claudio. He's number one family, baby. That's uh, exciting. we got to get him on here so we can just, you know, host the podcast and uh, take our jobs. That's, uh, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, Schwinn, what would you like to plug? Um... Bills have a bye week. That's good. <laughs> Got that going for me, which is nice. Four and one. Um, doing a lot better than the Jets, who have how many wins right now? They have one quarterback whose spleen is not going to explode this week, apparently. Oh, so, oh yeah. exciting. That's a plus. Yeah. It's a big yeah. plus. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in a good – it's it's a sad day when uh, when the Bills are – the team I have the most confidence in currently of all my favorite teams. <laughs> sad day. That really is a sad day. Yeah. They're doing well, though. What can I say? So, yeah, they got the bye. Going to get healthy. Then we get to play the fucking Dolphins, who suck the week after that. Uh, yeah. Looks like a pretty knock on wood. Knock on wood. Playoffs should be in our future. So, yeah, that's it. Um, enjoy the Jets game this weekend, Alex. I know that you're looking forward to it. I actually kind of am. Like, well, Darnold's like, gonna play, right? So. Yeah, Darnold's gonna play. I actually just got a brand new Bell jersey uh, from DH Gate. Someone turned me on that on Twitter. They're like, "Yeah, the jerseys are like eighteen dollars, dude." I got it. It legitimately actual like, jerseys. Yeah, dude. It's like I'll send you a link. It's there's a site called DH Gate, which is like, um, yeah, I probably just supported China. I, I shouldn't even yeah, good job right now. But I'm pretty sure it's like Alibaba, kind of like it's just like. Uh, they like steal the stuff from the factories and send them to you for <laughs> mega cheap instead of marking them up five thousand um, percent. So it was like eighteen bucks, and it's like legitimately it has like Nike logos on it and everything, and it's like actually the quality of the ones that you pay like one hundred twenty dollars for. So pretty dope. Well, that's uh, that's a great promotion. We're not going to see any money from these uh, from these guys, but at least you got some free. Free pub. Um, I'm going to plug a potential Mitchell Robinson article I'm going to be writing for Posting and Toasting. I've been working on that. 
Uh, that should be coming out, I don't know when, but hopefully sometime early next week. And I would like to plug also the five demands of the protesters of Hong Kong. They want full withdrawal of the extradition bill. They want a commission of inquiry into the police brutality that is happening. A retracted the classification of protesters as rioters, amnesty for arrested protesters, dual universal suffrage, meaning for both the Legislative Council and the Chief Executive. Not one less. And uh, fuck China. Have a good night, guys.